0: We are actually starting a new series today. Um, you know, we we're kind of holding our Matthew series. Uh, we spent the last three weeks talking about the gospel of God concerning Jesus. That kind of focused our hearts and minds around the Easter time, particularly the death, resurrection, and then the uh, the ascension or the enthronement of Christ. And uh, we decided that this would be a great time for us. And, and partly, to be honest with you, the reason is when we come back with Matthew's gospel, it's going to be during the final week of his life. So it's about death, burial, and resurrection. So we thought, you know, since we've talked about it and we're about to talk about it again, this would be a great time for us to look more reflectively upon the bigness of our God and the bigness of who Jesus Christ is. And so we want to spend some time really asking the question and then trying to answer that question from the Bible itself. What does a Christian life look like that understands who Jesus is? And then how does that cause within us a generosity to then overflow from our lives. We look at Jesus and what he has done. We look at God at what he has done. And then all of a sudden, the most natural response for us is generosity. So why a series on this topic? Because it is the natural response for people when they find out who God is. Now, one of the problems that, that happens, I know this is gonna happen, is we go, oh, okay, generosity. So this is a giving series. And the answer to that is no, it's actually not. And to prove that point, just in case you're going, still don't believe you, preacher boy. Are you ready? We are going to ask, take a look back here. Look, we see men with offering plates. I'm going to ask them to come again. And uh, guys, come forward. What they are going to do is they are going to, to hand out these trays one more time. And uh, when you see the tray, that you'll actually notice that it's full of gold coins. And what I would like for you to do, whether you're, um, whether you're like a regular person here or not, if you're a visitor, congratulations. You picked a pretty good day to come. Not only is it baby dedicated, take one, seriously. No, yeah, I know you're waiting, but I'm, I'm not kidding. Take one, hand it on. There we go. Take one. Yes, not two. Not two, <laughs> take one. Not that I don't mind, if you want another one, here, no, 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 here you go, right there, okay? Uh, I don't mind giving you an extra one, this is how how generous God is, God's like, hey, you like this stuff? I got lots of it, right? That's kind of how this works, but I want you to take this, I want you to have it. Um, Notice the offering has already been collected, did you notice that? We're not going to hand around the trays one more time, no, I, I want you to have this. I want you to have this coin, and I want you to hold on to it. I don't want to see it in the tray. What what I would like for you to do, and and those of you that have been around long enough, you know, we love to do this, and in part because when we read the scriptures, there is something—the way God wired us up—that He would say to the people of Israel, or that the the early church would do—they would hold on to things that that the idea of who God was had tangible elements to it, and so I think it's just valuable for us to realize that these things, even though they're just coins have a worth and a value that is more than the 100 pennies that it is. Um, I actually had a guy second service come up to me and he says, if you will allow me, please. And I thought he was gonna give me back the the, the gold coin. He said, no, 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 no. And he flipped me a dime and said, here's my tithe. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> so I'm now, I'm, <laughs> I'm now actually going to keep this dime as a representation of this gentleman's great sense of humor. but. I I do, I want you to keep this coin, and uh, for the next four weeks, I want you to bring this back to church, put it in your Bible, do whatever, I want you to hold on to this coin, and I want you to just always be reminded of this fact, and you know that I'm talking more than just this coin, like this was a gift to you, right? You did nothing to earn it, did you? You don't look at this coin and go, yeah, I earned that. No, 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 you you know it. Somehow, the fact that you reached in the tray and you just took one is a constant reminder that this was a gift. You never earned it. That's a good thing to remember. It's a good thing to remember that God really isn't interested in your money. He's not. You think God needs your money? You think God needs my money? No, no, no. I mean, there's just like God speaks universes into existence. What can you give to him? It's good for us to remember that. So let's just get it out of the way. This idea of generosity, this coin is a representation, but it's so much more than this coin. You know that, right? So much more than this coin. And sometimes it's good to just hold on to something and go, yeah, it's just a coin. Some of you will lose this coin, maybe even before you leave church. Found one in the lobby, actually. Casey Kendrick probably fell out of his pocket. But um, it's, these, these things are far more symbolic than they are anything else, and so I want you to hold on to them, and I want you to remember these things. This series on generosity—it's more than giving. Can I can I say it this way? A person can feel guilty about not giving enough. That ever been you? You ever felt guilty for not giving enough? Walked away. Person ringing a bell, Christmas time. You ever feel guilty about not giving enough? Little child knocks on your door. Would you like to buy popcorn? I'm a Boy Scout. You ever feel guilty about going, no thank you? You ever walk away from that and just go, ah, I should have done something? You ever done that? Have you ever like tipped somebody and kind of wished you could tip a little more? And the truth is you have it in your bank account you just for some reason couldn't justify it in your mind? Anybody? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Okay, so a person can feel guilty about God not giving enough, but can I tell you what can also happen to a person, especially a person that comes to church regularly? They can actually learn to give enough just not to feel guilty. Maybe that's you now. At first, you felt guilty that you didn't give enough. But you have disciplined yourself. You have worked hard at this. You are, you, you've been blessed now. And so you're at the position when you look at everything that you have and you kind of do the math, you're 10%, whatever makes you feel good. And then you decide, I'm going to give now to stop feeling guilty. That's why we just can't talk about giving. We really don't gain anything, do you know that? Like we don't gain anything. If our offerings go up over the next four weeks and our hearts don't change, do you think it matters? Like do you really think it matters in the eternal scheme of things? So it's not about giving. Number two, it's more, this might surprise you, it's actually more than just the kingdom. Wait a second, Jim, the kingdom, isn't that everything? Well sure. But I know a lot of people, another word for the kingdom would be church, and I know a lot of people that know how to give to the church. Hey, here's my, hey, thanks for your services, preacher boy. Hey, I love what you're doing for my kids. Here you go. I get that we got to pay a little bit. There's electric bills. There's all this. Hey, I'm willing to help. I saw those starving kids on the video. I'm willing to help. Sure. I mean, I, I get it. I'm willing to help. It's kind of like a, you know, like a Christian tax that we don't have to give, but we give it. And then, you know, maybe God's happy with us generosity is more than just the kingdom. Because if your view of the kingdom kind of ends in this place, then I don't think you understand, it's not just a kingdom. the, the, The church, and what a lot of people get frustrated by when they talk about the church or organized religion, what they really get frustrated with, I'm frustrated too. Like there is an organization called church, but then there is this beautiful thing called the body of Christ. And you know there's a difference, Right? And I'm just going to ask you, like, do you consider this beautiful thing called church? Do you consider it to be church? Or do you consider it to be like what it really is, which is the body of Christ, the living, breathing body of Christ? See, generosity is more than just the the kingdom in its generic sense. If all you do is just give to church, hey, here's a little bit. You think it really matters? You know what generosity is all about? It's more than giving. It's more than the kingdom. It's all about Jesus. Now, I know I'm I'm running out of these surprise, guess what it's about, because you're going, is this always going to be Jesus? Let me give you a tip. Yes. It just is. Unapologetically, we're going to talk and talk and talk about all these things, and in the end, the reason why we talk about them, the reason why we devote our lives, the reason why we do all of these things is because everything ends with him. So hear me. If your giving doesn't have Jesus at its core, it doesn't really matter. If your idea of church or kingdom doesn't have Jesus as its ultimate goal or purpose, it doesn't really matter. If your worship doesn't have Jesus at the center, it really, it's just singing. Jesus is the one who transforms everything. Jesus is the one who redeems everything. Jesus is the one that restores everything. So Jesus leans into our time this morning and he begins to speak. Okay, I'm personifying this, kind of like the Bible does with wisdom speaks and it's really talking about God teaching us some things. Well, generosity is going to speak to us today. And really, it's the words of Jesus Christ who is instructing us about what it is really all about, why you and I can say as we hold these coins in our hand, what is this all about? And it really is about him. And without him, this doesn't exist. Without him, this has no meaning or purpose. Without him... So Jesus is going to tell us four things, four simple words. And then he's going to attach them to himself, and we're going to see what generosity is really all about. Jesus says, first of all, number one, trust. Trust. Trust what? Trust what? And the answer is trust that I will provide everything that you need. See, generosity begins. Generosity begins to speak and find its meaning and its purpose. It it begins to make sense. When we recognize that what we are being generous with, which is a whole lot more than just a coin, what we are being generous with is because we know that Jesus Christ will be the one to provide. So I'm not generous because I'm rich, I'm not generous because I'm nice. I'm not even generous because I'm generous. I to be Christian generous is to be generous because I know where it ultimately came from, and I know that He will provide everything that I need. Are you there? Like, are you generous like that? recognizing in Jesus Christ he will provide everything. I'm going to do my best today, and actually I will do a great job today. We'll see what happens in the, few, in the coming weeks. But I guess Matthew is still lingering in my heart, and so we're, all of our texts today are in Matthew's gospel, so turn with me to Matthew chapter six, verses 25 and 26. Listen to what Jesus says. Didn't mean to drop that one. Listen to what Jesus says about this idea of trusting in God, trusting in him, and believing truths about him that affect your hand. See, like when I'm holding on to that which is mine (laughs) and how I look to that which is mine, how I view God will determine whether or not I live like this or whether or not I live like this. Whether or not I live like this or whether or not I live like this. What's What's the difference between this and this? And you know what it is? It's your view of God. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew 6 verses 25 and 26, therefore I tell you, he's such a good truth speaker, being truth himself, do not be anxious about your life, anybody need to hear that? Do not be anxious about your life, anybody anxious about their lives? Anybody concerned about what's going on? Anybody concerned about the economic situation of what's going on in the world, or let's just get more personal the economic situation that's going on in your bank account? Jesus says, "Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on." Now now what's interesting is, is that we look at these things, what I eat, what I drink and what I wear. In, in the biblical day, this actually was a lot more complicated than it is today. So Jesus is saying this to people who didn't have, like, massive amounts of food stored at home. So I can look at this text and then go, yeah, I totally don't worry. I mean, honestly, you don't look at me and go, man, I think Jim is really worried about where he's going to get his next meal, do you? Let's be honest, you don't do that, do you? I'm going Andrea is probably going to be mad that I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, babe. I feel like we just should be honest. Do you wanna know how crazy it is at the Johnson home? Okay, and I'm embarrassed to even say this. If you come to our house and you go inside our kitchen, there is a refrigerator in it. And in that refrigerator is food. And and my wife does an amazing job of keeping it rather full. Okay? We have a, a pantry, like a closet. Okay, this is, it doesn't stop there. In our garage, are you ready for this? In our garage, we have a refrigerator for extra food that's not in our refrigerator in our house that we're going to eat. Are you ready? It doesn't end there. We have a freezer in our refrigerator in our house. We have a freezer in our refrigerator in the garage. And we have another freezer all for itself to keep our food because we cannot eat it fast enough. I know what you're thinking. You're crazy. You must be obsessed with this idea. So it's easy for me. You come to my closet, you don't look in there and go, oh, okay, yeah, Jim's got nothing to wear. No, like I I have to go in there and decide. I wonder what I'm gonna wear. I wonder what shoes I'm going to wear. I wonder if they will match my belt. This is where I live. Question, are you like me? So you look at this text and you go, hey, I'm not worried at all. I'm not worried about what I eat, I'm not worried about what I drink, I'm not worried about what I wear. But amazingly enough, I still seem to be preoccupied with those questions. Like having too much didn't make the problem go away. Notice, because all we do is we obsess about more and more and more, what Jesus says next is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Implied answer, yes. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, notice the focus of this. Don't be anxious. Is your body, is your life not worth more? Yes. So then I want you to look at your heavenly father. Because he's the one who feeds them. He's the one who cares for them. He's the one, if I'm, see, if if I'm not careful, I quickly think that I'm the one making the coins. I quickly think I'm the one taking care of Jim Johnson and his family. That's what I do, actually. I'm the one doing it. And yet Jesus says, no, no, you're not. Like God is. And he'll, he'll take care of you even when you can't take care of yourself. See, God is this underlying. And, and I think one of our natural obsessions, and, and it's a sad thing. I, I don't know what else to do. I, I guess I don't think it's a terrible thing that we have a refrigerator in the garage, but... Boy, we really got to be careful. Maybe we need to spend some extra time making sure that we don't become, oh, this is an ugly word, self-reliant instead of God-reliant. And so I just want to ask you, is a lot of the lack of anxiousness in your life just because you are a really gifted and capable person, or do you really learn to trust in Jesus? And I'll tell you, one of the greatest concerns that I have about the church that lives in very productive and profitable places with just crazy blessings is that we confuse a lack of anxiousness about these very simple things with a trust in God. And I don't know if that's true. By the way, wouldn't generosity begin to change that? Notice what the text says. Are you not more more valued than they are? These, these, these birds and these fields that God clothes, that God cares for, are you not more valuable to them in God's eye? Answer, what? Yes. Okay, then do you don't think God will take care of you? Well, yes. So then why do you hold on to this in this way? Like, why are you not generous? Because I'm afraid. Because I'm, I'm really afraid. Okay. At least now we're being honest. Jesus now says, beyond beyond this issue of trust, he then says, what I want you to do is I want you to value. I want you to think about value here. Now, value what? This is where Jesus asks us a question. He says this, what is worth more to you than me? What's worth more than me? Now, Now, by the way, you guys have been to Sunday school, so you know this answer, right? What is worth more than Jesus? What's the answer? Nothing. You know the answer, don't you? It's not even hard. What's worth more than Jesus? Nothing. Are you sure? that's You sure? Like Jesus is the most valuable thing? Are you absolutely positive? Turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. Jesus puts it in these very clear terms, talking about value He asks this question of his followers, or he makes a statement, actually a pretty bold statement and questions, I guess. Verse 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, no, essentially what he's pointing out is there is within every human being a a natural desire to preserve oneself, to preserve one's life, right? You you begin to hold my mouth, I, I try to breathe. You begin to take something away from me and I, and, I, and I have this natural instinct to try to preserve my life. The question is, is that sometimes by doing that, we do some pretty silly things. I knew of a, of a gentleman that grew up during that time known as the Great Depression. And so he decided, are you ready for this? Very wealthy man. He decided that he would never be without toilet paper again. And he began... To hoard toilet paper and he had an attic full of toilet paper like it was literally full absolutely full of toilet paper and I didn't believe it till I saw it and then I went that's crazy and he said yeah but you have a refrigerator in your garage I said I know (laughs) what causes somebody to do that what causes somebody to act like that self-preservation Okay, I get that. Where'd that come from? I think God even put that in us. So then we have to decide, are we going to try to preserve our lives? Are we gonna try to preserve our way of living? Are we gonna try to preserve all these things at all costs? Or are we going to trust God's word in that moment of testing? And Jesus Christ says, hey, I, I get it. But you do realize, like, if you do everything to try to hold on to your life and control your life and care for your life and provide, you know, if you do all of that, like at the end, like you'll just lose it? Don't believe me? I mean, you won't be, able to one, you won't be the one who will be able to call me, but someone will, someone that you know, a family friend, maybe your wife, maybe a friend, and they'll say, hey, by the way, so-and-so passed away. Is there any way that we can have a funeral on, what's today, Sunday? Can we have a funeral on probably Wednesday or Thursday? Family's gonna get in. And then we, we spend our time really kind of thinking back, couldn't, couldn't do it, could you? Couldn't save yourself, could you? Couldn't, couldn't stop this day from happening, could you? Like in the end, like I can't do it. Like no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, no matter how obsessed I become, I literally become a weirdo that's got a attic full of toilet paper. Something's broken. And Jesus says, when you try to hold on to your life at all costs, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life in me, then you'll find it. It's when they're like those rhetoricals. we just kind of let them go, but let these sit a little bit longer. Look at verse 26. "For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeit his soul?" I want you to think about that. What if someone could gain the entire world and yet lose their soul? What do they gain? What's the answer? Nothing. Doesn't matter if you're Elon Musk. it doesn't matter if you're Steve Jobs does it matter if you're Mahatma Gandhi. It doesn't matter if you're Mother Teresa. Like, what what, what happens if you gain the whole world, all of the fame or all of the recognition or all of the wealth, and you lose your soul? What have you gained? And the answer is nothing. Value is not found in any one of those things. Next question, look at what Jesus says. What shall a man, and just in case you women are going, ha ha, that's on you. No, 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 it's a universal man, okay? What does a person gain in return for his soul? I mean, do you really think that you can walk up to God even if you could get it to him? Let's say, I know, I know you know you can't take it with you, but let's say God said you can. Who can stand before God? Who, Elon Musk? Who, Steve Jobs? You think Steve Jobs can stand before God and go, hey, put out your hand. Look what I got. One million, two million, three million. Wait, I got more, God. Four million. Doesn't do anything, does it? What does a man... What does a man gain or how how can a man get or what, what can he have in exchange for his soul? What's the answer again? So what does a person gain? Nothing. What can a person give in exchange? And the answer is what? Nothing. And Jesus is saying all of this by going, but yet, if you fold your life into mine, if you wrap your life into mine, then you have true life. Then you have true meaning and true purpose. Then you can begin to live generously. Number three, third word, invest. Now, there, there's a word. What's the difference between invest and value? Well, here's the difference. I don't know if you've been noticing, but lately Google's been doing well. So is Amazon. They're hot stocks, okay? How many of you have heard of Google? Raise your hand. Oh, so you've heard of Google? How many of you have heard of Apple? Amazon? Okay, how many of you invest in? I don't, mean, I don't mean use Amazon, but like invest in it. Okay, yeah, some of you, few of you do, few of you invest, but do you see the difference between like I value, I get that Apple has value, and going, hey, I would like to buy some Apple. I would like to invest in Apple. I wanna take what I have and I wanna invest it in that. Why? Because that's a good deal right there, I'll tell you. You invest in Apple, you can make some money. You invest in Google, you can make some money. If you, know what, if you invest in Amazon, you can really make some money. See, that's the investment piece. And so it's one thing to value Jesus. I value Jesus. He's got worth. He's got value in and of himself. You know, I just, I kind of know more about the value. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 what I want you to do is invest. And not only that, I love this. Jesus actually says this statement, which is very interesting. We say that we can't take it with us. We only mean we can't take it with us in the sense that everything that is going on in this life kind of stays in this life when you try to hoard it because Jesus actually says that you can store up for yourselves treasures in heaven you know that right like the ultimate pay it forward is not just kindness that we do to one another but when somehow we put it in the hands of Jesus see this is why it's so much more than money it's, it's investing my time, investing my family, investing my life, investing my gifts and my money and my talents. It's investing me in Christ and in who He is. And then all of a sudden, I really can. This is the beauty of it. Only when it comes to Jesus and His kingdom does giving make the most sense. Now all of a sudden, Everything that I give, all of my generosity doesn't get stuck in life, the Bible calls it, under the sun. Like this life, you and me, breathing, living, working hard, kind of trying to maintain our lives, trying to do all of that stuff. There's that life under the sun and the sun gets hot and it's really toilsome and it seems like it's one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, five steps back, nine steps forward, 20 steps back. It just seems like this daily grind. But when we find Christ and who he is, all of a sudden generosity in light of who he is, the value and the meaning and the purpose, now all of a sudden it becomes Wow, no, that's a good investment. We can actually store up for ourselves treasure there. I'm not going to go to Matthew 6 where Jesus makes that exact statement. But I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Jesus is describing his kingdom, um, which, by the way, is so much more than church. Church. The kingdom of God is everywhere that God has his rule, where he is reigning, where he is, he, 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 is, he is recognized for who he is. And the world, his created order, even though it's broken, is beginning to respond in, in worship and in submission and in faithfulness. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's not just church. Okay? Church is one manifestation of the goodness and the greatness of God. But Jesus says... When he, in, this, in this long, that, Matthew chapter 13 is a long extended section where he is describing, using parables, what the kingdom of God is like. And here's what he says in terms of investment. Look at this. The kingdom of heaven, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Like whether or not you recognize you have something of worth or value, the kingdom of heaven is a treasure, and it's like a treasure that is actually hidden in a field, which a man found, and then he covered it up. Why? Because I want it. And then in his joy, notice that the the spirit of generosity speaks. In his joy, he goes and he sells all. Sells all that he has, and then he buys that field. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It's, it's, It's an investment. You look at the kingdom, you look at life in Christ. And then you begin to weigh it out. There's nothing wrong with weighing it out, like, like, a, like a financial investment. Hey, would you like to invest in this business plan that I have? Well, what's going to be the return? And what's going to be, and you weigh out all of the options. Jesus actually says, I, come let's do this. Do you want to have a conversation? Let's have a conversation. You want to talk about what you get with me? Let's have a conversation about this. Let me tell you what you get in me. And he begins to describe this incredible kingdom. By the time he's done talking about it, he's saying, listen, it's like, it's like this treasure that's hidden in a field. And if you found it and you knew that you could get it, you would sell everything to get it. I just want to ask you a question. Like, is that how you think about the kingdom of God? Like something to invest in that actually, in a worldly way, makes no sense. But with spiritual discernment, makes all the sense in this world and in the next one. And that's what Jesus is pointing to here. He continues on. Not only is it like a treasure that's hidden in a field, verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. And that merchant is in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all. Notice the kind of that all motif that kind of working through here. He sold all that he had and bought it. And Jesus says, like, I want you to think about who I am. I want you to reflect on what I've done for you. I want you to reflect on, on the fact that this life is not all that there is. And then through this thinking process, through the Spirit's discernment, you will look at what you have in me. You will look at me. You will look at what you have in me because you will look at me and it will make the most sense to pay it forward. Jesus says, "Invest in me, and you'll be able to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven." If this isn't Andrea's fault; it's mine. She hates it when I use her in these sermon illustrations, but she's the only wife I have, so I got to use her. <laughs> really, she's the only wife I have. Um, we we started a ministry in, in 1991 in a tiny little church in Hornet, Missouri. And uh, we were babysitting some kids, third and fourth grade kids, for an hour on Wednesday night, and for that, they paid us $15 a week, okay? It was 1991, like, that was like a million dollars in today's dollars. And with that $15, this wasn't Andrea, this was me, I looked at it, and I just said, hey, I, I, I don't think I can give a $1.50. Our, our um, lot fee for the trailer that we lived in was $60 a month, $15 a week times four, and so I, I kind of, I weighed it all out and I just, I didn't have $1.50 to spare. A little while later, um, Andrew was doing such a good job they decided to give us a raise. We, we were now not just gonna be there on Wednesday night, we were also gonna be there on Sunday. We actually joined that church and I'll never forget um, when my first paycheck came in, they paid me $85 a week. Are you crazy? $85 a week to talk about Jesus? That's crazy. And Interestingly enough, that was a little easier to live on I looked at that $85. You not, you're not, Here's what I did not say. Wow, now I can give. I looked at that $85 and said, yeah, I can't give $8.50. No magic number in 10%, but kind of it's a biblical precedent, so we'll just work with that. So I really didn't give anything. I mean, if I had a couple dollars here, a couple dollars there, but it was not very intentional, it was not very well thought out. It wasn't like an investment. By the time we were done there, to my shame, not Andrea's, I was making, are you ready for this? Buckle up, you'll, it'll, you'll, you'll actually now know why we can actually have two fridges in our house, okay? I was making $225 a week, okay? Trying to support a family of three. And I still could not figure out how to give $22.50 a week, so I didn't. And then we, we left her graduate school, and I realized something's gotta change. Like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I began to learn, not tithing. Like, I began to learn who Jesus, really, who Jesus really was. I began to try to take him at his word and trust him. I began to try to value him for who he is. And I began to try to think about my money hmm, as an investment in the kingdom of God. Are you ready for this? You know one of the most painful things about investments you know, if you could go back in time, how many of you, if you could go back in time 20 years, would, would invest differently in Apple? How many of you? How many of you have actually spent some time going, oh, you know what we should have invested in? Anybody? I've, I've done that. Man, if I would have just known about Google, if I just would have known about Amazon. If I had just known about Jesus... A little better. There were four years in which I chose to not invest all of me in a ministry that Jesus was involved in. And I can never get those years back. Now, I know what you're saying. That, that's, God, that's what God's grace is for. No, it's not. God's grace is not so that I can live rebelliously. No, Jesus makes that clear. So hear me, I'm not talking about God doesn't love me or God won't forget. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about my investment that I missed on. Totally missed on it. And you know what? If I were to add up all of the money (laughs) that I saved, I just look like I missed it completely. Does it not? Wow. Jesus says, invest in me. Lastly, Jesus says, I want you to sacrifice. I want you to think about sacrifice. Literally, Jesus says this about the idea of sacrifice. Generosity, meaning to give to the point where it is generous. Generosity is natural for my followers. It's natural for my followers. Like my followers, when they think about who I am and all that I've done, my followers naturally have open handedness towards the world. And by the way, not just with money, but with love and forgiveness, with an ability to be patient, we're generous in all things because God is our ultimate provider because God is the ultimate one that we're trying to please. We're generous in all things, not just money. And to be generous means to sacrifice. How much do you want? Um, are you sure you want it all? I don't know what I'm gonna do. And Jesus says, "Oh, I know what it's like. I know, I know how. I know how to give what is required of me. I've learned how to do that. And I even know how to give, um, I I know how to give like a little bit beyond what I usually give, but to give like to the point of sacrifice is hard. And that's why I need like a really good example. And I'm not talking about a really cool example of a guy who left a tip for a waitress in North Carolina. Um, How about this one? That that Jesus, although being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be the, the word is grasped. Can I give you another translation for that word? It, one of the derivatives of that word literally means to be robbed. <laughs> Jesus did not rob God of his plan by holding on to it so tightly, because that's what we do, isn't it? When God has a plan and we decide to hold on to it instead, who did it come from? Him. And we decide to hold on to it. What are we doing? read, there's a great book in the Old Testament that says, you're robbing me by not giving to me what is rightfully mine. That's what the Bible actually says. I love the example of Jesus who did not consider equality with God as something to be robbed, but instead he gave himself freely. He sacrificed and he put on human flesh. And then once he had done that, he didn't quit. He kept giving and giving and giving and sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing and my life in response to that life can't be one of going, sweet, I'll take more. It is a life that is lived in response to the sacrifice of him, is it not? Is that not what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Is to live in the shadow of his sacrifice? Not trying to outgive him or out sacrifice him, but living as the overflow of a response of the sacrifice that he gave to us. Like that's why if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't buy your way in. You have to believe your way in. And then giving a life of generosity just becomes a response to who he is. You can't buy off God. It's a normal part of people who have understood and respond to who Jesus Christ is. Matthew chapter 19, verse 27 They get into a conversation about everything that they have to give up, and then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have, he says. And by the way, Jesus doesn't go, you are so selfish, Peter. He answers him. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on a glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone, because that's, that's not us. I don't get to judge the 12 tribes of Israel, but look at this. And everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters and fathers and mother and children or lands, everyone who has sacrificed like this, not to earn my love, but as a response for my love already given freely to them, everyone who does this for my name's sake. Do you see the difference between just generosity and generosity for the name of Jesus? You see the difference between just tossing a coin into the plate and investing that in Christ? You see the difference? Everyone who has done this for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Many who are first will be last and the last will be first. See, what Jesus is actually saying with these words are not just trust generically or invest generically or sacrifice generically. What Jesus is actually saying as he describes in these passages of scripture, which if you noticed, I had to jump all around Matthew. Jesus didn't go, hey, you guys need to learn generosity. That's one of the five principles I have for you. No, Jesus is just talking about life with him and generosity and sacrificing and value and investment just keeps coming up over and over and over again. It is an integrated life. That's what God has in store for us. And so what Jesus is saying is is this trust me. Do you? Do you trust him? Value me. Do you? Do you know what you have in Christ? Invest in me. (laughs) Are you? Investing in him and in everything that he is about? Cup of cold water in my name, and I will say to him, well done, my good and faithful servant. Invest in me, sacrifice for me, are you? And again, the beauty of it is, is that once you begin to do these things, value and invest and trust and sacrifice, uh, it doesn't matter if it starts with money or love or forgiveness or patience or kindness. It just has a way of bleeding into all areas of life because that's what God's Holy Spirit does. So here's what I learned this past week from reading my Bible, praying about it, and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Here's what I learned. Living generously is hard work. It's not easy. It takes a great deal of discernment. Why, because we are always asking this question, well how much? Like how much should I give? What's the line? How much is too much? What does God want? Is it, is, it, is it 10% or 11%, 9% or 6% or the best that I can do? Is it just the best that I can do? And I love the fact that I do not have an answer to that question. It takes discernment. The Holy Spirit. This isn't a science. But I've learned this both from my mistakes and my God-directed by, only by the grace of God Success faithfulness living generously is totally worth it because jesus said that no one can serve two masters for either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money now the context that jesus is talking about is money but if you really go back and take a look at it we really find out that money's not the problem it's the love of money that's the problem and the love of money is me the problem's not money problems me and Jesus is the solution so imagine that you're standing there and you're trying to think through this great question about what Jesus is worth today okay is he worth more than that is he worth more than that how about now how about now how about now How about now? 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 How about about if I get more? At what point will you go there? You can't, can you? Let's pray. God, thank you for your kindness to us, for what you have given us. And God, I'm I'm grateful for a house and I'm grateful for a car and there are gifts from you to be used for you. God, I'm grateful for salvation that I find in Jesus more than anything. And I pray that my life would resemble his life. God, thank you for really teaching me that it's not about generosity for generosity's sake. It is about a life of obedience, trusting, valuing, investing, and sacrificing In the name of Jesus, in all areas of my life, forgive us in those areas where we have tried to split it in half. Generous with our time, not our money. Generous with our money, not our time. God, may we just be generous. Thank you for the indiscriminate giving of rain. And that's one thing we all know about here today. Thank you for giving us more than we deserve to the point where it even begins to frustrate us and you know that literally in a matter of months we'll complain again that we don't have enough rain. God, free us from that cycle. Give us Jesus in his name. Amen.